The Dave Berta Podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. I'm Dave Cornway, and you're listening to the Dave Berta Podcast. We are recording this episode on October 31st, 2021, and I'm joined as always by our producer, Adam Rosenhardt. Hello, Adam. How are you today? Good. Happy Halloween, Dave. Happy Happy Halloween! Are you doing anything festive for the uh, for the for the All Hallows Eve? I am going to carve a pumpkin uh, in the style of the the Mandalorian, and then I'm going to hand out candy. Oh, cool! Oh, cool! That's very cool. You'll have to uh, have to send me photos so we can uh, we can post it on our uh, on our social media so our, our listeners can hear. That sounds great. We're yeah. uh, we're just doing the traditional uh, um, jack o' lantern carving this morning with my kids. Right um, but we watched uh, this morning. This morning we watched, uh, and I, I don't think I'd actually ever seen it before. We watched the Nightmare Before Christmas, and uh, which my my five year old son uh, loves. And uh, anyway, it was interesting. It was good. It was good. So I have the uh, I have the This Is Halloween song stuck in stuck in my head all day. Anyway, <laughs> it's all fun, and 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 Halloween will be a lot. Will be uh, will be a lot of fun tonight. Um, we are thrilled to be joined today uh, by two special guests. Um, uh, here to talk about uh, talk about Edmonton politics, talk, talk about the recent municipal election, which we talked about in, in, in our in our recent podcast, but we haven't uh, haven't had an episode since. So we're going to del- delve into uh, into what happened, into uh, what the municipal election was about, and talk to our two guests about how we're, how they were involved. So I'm thrilled to welcome uh, Harnur Kochar and Raja Magay to the podcast. Welcome to the Dave Berta podcast. Um, Harnur was the director of field and field operations and the get out the vote co-chair on the Amarjeet Sohi for mayor campaign. And she's also a fifth year political science student at the U of A. And Raja is a research and policy advisor uh, for city councilor Andrew Knack and the vice chair of research at Parity Egg. So uh, we'll uh, we'll delve into uh, into into some of that. So um, welcome to the podcast. Um, I guess we'll just start with uh, with Harnur. Um, can you just explain to us how you got involved in municipal politics and in this election? Um, I really got involved um, in politics in general broadly through Amarjeet. Um, I worked on his 2015 um, campaign as, as a door knocker, um, which I just talked to folks kind of around Millwoods about um, their road intentions and kind of trying to convince them to vote for Amarjeet really. Um, and in 2019, I was his deputy campaign manager for field operations. So in a role very similar to what I did on his campaign um, this uh, this past month. Um, so I really got involved through Amarjeet. Um, but with that being said, you know, if he had chose not to run, if he hadn't um, if he hadn't put his name forward, then I probably would have gotten involved in a campaign in Millwoods because that is where. I'm from that's where my family still is and i really wanted to see um you know really like nice progressive leadership take take hold in millwood so that's kind of how i got involved in 2021 though that, that that's that's great and and raja can you can you uh, uh tell our listeners how you got involved in the in the municipal election or municipal yeah. politics i should say yeah because it, it goes beyond this beyond just this election <laughs> um <clears throat> when i was in high school, I started on the City of Edmonton Youth Council when I was probably probably 15 or 16. Um, I, I got involved with volunteering, just you know, advocating for mental health and just more engagement on the youth level in terms of 
municipal politics and civic engagement. And um, through there, that's how I met Councillor Knack. Um, I never, you know, went to university. I kind of just picked up part-time jobs here and there, but um, I feel really fortunate because through my work with Youth Council and just how I've grown there, Andrew, you know, saw something in me and decided to offer me a job and really changed the trajectory of my life and got me really involved in municipal politics. So um, through working with Andrew, I started volunteering on Parity Egg, getting involved through there. Um, and then I am starting um, an organization called Political Divas with a friend in Calgary named Rebecca. It's a peer support group for racialized women in politics. So it's still all very new, but it's, it's coming around the corner. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's great. Can you can you tell us a little bit more about Parity Egg? Now we've talked a bit about it on the like in in past episodes. We've talked about it, um, but can you explain maybe some of the work that Parity Egg and, and even political divas did in this in this in the run up to this municipal election? Yeah. So, um, Parity Egg composed campaign kits um, that were accessible to members who signed up through our website. Um, and also just provided guidance throughout the election where we could. Um, I think, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done just on, on all sides when it comes to supporting female candidates and diverse candidates. But um, I, I feel like Parity and Political Divas is, is really creating this, this foundations and the stepping stones for that to really come forward more when it comes to our elections. And, and, and it looked like d- during this election, there were, I mean, there were significant gains for, for in the number, especially in Edmonton, um, specifically in terms of the number of women who were elected and in terms of the number of, of women, women of color, people of color. Um, I mean, it seems like we, I mean, I don't want to just delve right into the results, results right away, but it seems that we have a, a city council that's, that's a little more reflective of what Edmonton actually looks like after this election, rather than kind of the cast of, uh, of just white guys who usually get elected. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I am usually an optimistic person, but this already just like shot it out of the water. And um, it was really exciting. I probably could not stop crying and screaming on election night. (laughs) I was like watching (laughs) the results on my laptop because we don't have cable TV. And so it was just a lot of freaking out. And um it, it's going to be really interesting to see how these representatives put into practice, you know, like their perspectives that they offer now on council. Do you, um, Harnoor and, and Raja, do you, how do you think um, the perspective of more women on council or how do you hope it will change the way things get discussed or decided at council? Harnoor, let's start with you. Um, I think that's a really good question. I think the two areas that come to my mind that I would hope get increased attention or are addressed with increased urgency, I think one are the hate crimes that we saw unfold against women, like specifically against women of color um, earlier this summer. I hope that they're addressed with an increased urgency and also with like a gender lens to them, right? Understanding that these these not only... Um, disproportionately affect people of color, but also women of color. And I would say that the same thing with the way that we think about safety in the city 
and those kind of supports. And I also think the other issue that comes to my mind, and you know, Mayor Gondek in Calgary has already spoken about this, is the urgency in which we move with childcare agreements, right? So putting the pressure on the province, uh, but not only that, coming together as municipalities um, to strike those agreements directly with the federal government, if the need be. Like, I think that... Um, I think that women being able to speak to hopefully their lived experiences will be able to kind of um, put more pressure on these files to move faster um, and with, you know, with more um, care, I would also say. Raja, what about you? What do you see? What do you hope to see from from a, a better, a, a more perspective from women on council here in Edmonton? I, I think it's going to be really interesting because, you know, the perspectives of women, their shared experiences, there is is a shared experience between all women that we can have an understanding towards. But um, just like women in general and, and these women on council, their perspectives, their experiences, it's not a monolith. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're all going to be able to contribute in different ways and, and through their backgrounds. And I think it, all of our decisions have to be made through a gender-based analysis lens um, and absolutely through a more equitable lens, through a more sustainable lens. And um, I think it's going to become easier to point out um, where the gaps are between certain initiatives or reports that come to council and, and say, hey, we're missing a perspective here. Let's bring it in or or let's think about how this is going to affect every single Edmontonian. Uh, this is maybe getting a little too into the weeds, but because you brought up the um, the flag that council can bring up where, where you know, women, racialized people on council can say, I don't think you've considered this perspective. And this is maybe stepping a little outside the bounds of electoral politics, but how how do we need to think about the way that the bureaucracy and administration is staffed? Like, is there... Do you know uh, what kind of gaps exist on city administration when it comes to representation? I'm I'm not completely sure, but um, you know I think all levels of administration, all you know, even when it comes to the the staff that councillors have or um, people sitting on initiatives and projects. They should be varied. They should be diverse, and they should, um, you know, have their community in in mind. I think it's really interesting when you see, um, like, white representatives, white community leaders stepping up to the plate, being very eager to step up to the plate without asking themselves, "Am I going to be their best person to represent these people or these racialized communities or visible minorities?" Now, take, taking a uh, just a, a bit of a step back to the the uh, the election campaign, and we're talking about the you know the results and, and what what faces this new council. But I'm just wondering, I'm wondering if you could share um, some of your experiences from this from this municipal campaign. I'm thinking when when you talk, you know, I mean today or you know even even you know a year from now, when you look back at the at the 2021 municipal election, what do you think it was about? Because I hear a lot of a lot of I heard a lot of commentary. I mean, there was the results of the election had significant, you know, presented some significant change. They resulted in some significant change in Edmonton. Um, you know, a record number of women elected. I think there are eight women elected to city council out of out of thirteen seats. Um, I mean, Amarjeet Sohi was elected mayor, our first uh, our first mayor of, of South Asian heritage. Um, 
you had a number of incumbents who were defeated. I think there were four or five incumbents who were defeated, which is unheard of in, I mean, almost unheard of in, in, in municipal politics in Edmonton, where, you know, where incumbents usually regularly get just reelected in, in, in large numbers. But I heard a lot of people talk about how there wasn't, they didn't feel that there was a big issue in this campaign or this campaign was about anything. And I mean, that might've been because of all the attention that's, that's being focused provincially on, on COVID and what's going on with, with the provincial government and the fact that we had a federal election literally right before uh, the, the, the municipal election started um, or the kind of the official campaign period started. But I guess, guess for you, what, what was, in terms of your experience, what was this municipal election really about? Because it had to have been, I mean, it was about something, right? And I mean, it may not have, you know, we may not have had one singular issue to debate about like we do in, in sometimes in elections like uh, the city center airport or, or something like that. Um, but I'm just wondering from, from your perspective, being on, on the campaign trail, being involved with campaigns and different groups on, you know, on different levels, what, what, what do you think this campaign was, was really about? I think that this election came down to, I think three things and they're all like interconnected, but this is the way that I think about it in my mind. I think one is about leadership and character, like moral values and character. And I think the other thing that it seemed to be about, and this is, I think, maybe more speaking of the results from the council races, is about like who was there for their community, right? And I think those things are tied inherently to leadership and to like just kind of having the character to kind of show up, get asked questions and be there for your community and address the issues. But that's what it really seemed to be about um, for me. I think a lot of that maybe could be a foil um, or like a reflection of the kind of lack of leadership that people feel at the provincial level. Um, and I think people may be voting, you know, kind of making a choice based off of that um, in terms of what they're prioritizing. But that's what it seemed to be about. And I think in terms of issues, like it was partially also about COVID. And that's such a blanket answer. I feel like it's a bad answer. But COVID just... You know, if I like for if I'm a young person saying COVID is an issue for me, well, that means for me, it's about like the job that I'm going to get when I'm done school, but also how like it's disrupted my school and, and, and that kind of stuff. But if, you know, if my dad were talking about COVID as an issue, it would be about the economy. It would be about um, safety, right? Like for um, for his wife, who's a teacher who works in the public service and that kind of stuff. So I think it was about leadership and it was about character and it was about who showed up for their community, but also it was about, you know, the issues that COVID brought up for everybody. And, and Raja, did you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I absolutely agree with what Harnoor is saying. Um, I think, you know, from my perspective, I, I think it was about residents and Edmontonians deciding what our city-based identity is going to look like for the next four years. Mm -hmm. And um, it's it absolutely is about leadership because um, we saw with incumbents that residents were not going to be lenient with them. They weren't going to mm -hmm. stand for the same things, the, the status quo that we've seen before. They wanted to see change. They wanted to see new ideas. They wanted to see um, very strong values to come out of COVID, to come out of the pandemic and to help us towards recovery. Um, because we wanna make sure that Edmonton's in a place where we can be a really strong city while the rest of our province begins to recover. Um, and, and that could be really tough. If we had a council that was completely divided, we had a council that wasn't willing to be collaborative and work with each other, then I, I don't think we'd be able to 
recover and heal. Yeah, it, it seemed that there were some parallels between the um, the uh, mayoral kind of the mayoral election, kind of the, the election in Edmonton and the election in Calgary, at least at the mayoral level. Between, I mean, you had Amarjeet Sohi and Jody Gondek and Mike Nickel and Jeremy Farkas, and it seemed like there was a it was kind of a competition of visions, and I think it really taps into to, to some of the things you're talking about about. Um, you know, what kind of city do we want this to look like? And I mean, COVID is, I mean, as you said, it's kind of a, it's, it's a, such a broad, when you talk about COVID being an issue, it's such a broad, um, uh, such, such a broad issue, especially on, on, on the municipal level. But, but it really did seem like there was uh, a, uh, a competition of visions in terms of, you know, do we want to continue, uh, do we want to continue kind of the city building that we've seen in, in our two major urban centers um, as well as taking maybe a more compassionate approach and a more community-based approach and, and a more, I would say, especially with, in the case of Amarjeet Sohi, a more collaborative approach to, to, uh, to dealing, um, dealing with these issues and, and, and being mayor and, and rallying the community compared to what was being offered by some of the other candidates. And I think when I look at the, the especially in Edmonton, the, the incumbents who were defeated, I mean, Mike Nickel for mayor, um, de defeated, um, or city councilor Mike, Nail Mike, Mike Nickel uh, defeated in his bid for mayor, uh, John Zadick, Tony Katarina defeated. It seems like, at least in those cases, it seemed like the, the more um, the more obstructionist kind of councilors were, you know, found themselves found themselves defeated. And Tony Katarina was kind of a different uh, different situation because he ran in a completely different ward that he'd never he'd never run in before because of his old ward had been the boundaries had been redrawn. But but it seemed like there was a real um, push to, I mean, it, it, Edmontonians really sent a message to, uh, to, in terms of what kind of city council they, uh, what's that kind of city council and what kind of vision they want for, for the city over the next four years. And, and those who, who seem to be the most obstructionist, um, and maybe the more, I, I would say maybe more insular thinking in terms of, of not looking at the kind of city building that we've seen in Edmonton over the past few years. Um, Edmonton, Edmontonians seem to seem to reject that in, in, uh, in large numbers. It was really interesting too when we looked at like the vote breakdown of, uh, I think it was a Steve Edmonton employee who uh, put all the data together and you could go through each ward, you could see the results in each ward for the mayoral race. And um, it, it does send a very strong message about who we want representing us, how we want to be represented um, and how we want our future to look. Um, I am really, you know, still trying to process the fact that we've made history. It's not sinking in fully. <laughs> and I, I don't think it's going to sink in until well after they've had their first official council meeting. Um, and I think it speaks to the level of engagement that people want to see as well. Um, they want it open, they want accessible, they want accountable and transparent representation. I think that's a really good point. I think that, you know, and that I think in its essence is what it means to show up for a community, right? It doesn't always mean that you're doing the thing that everyone wants, but it means showing up to get, you know, for, to, for people to ask you questions, showing up to events so that people can, you know, kind of get to know what you've been working on and what they would like to see. And I think, I think more than just being obstructionist, I think it was just people who, um, you know, I think were complacent also is like another way to put it, right? It was just a, a different vision of where of where Edmonton where 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 they believed Edmonton Edmonton was wanted to go. And I mean, you shouldn't downplay that, you know, these 
you know, these people were the, the counselors, I'm, I, you know, I referred to, I mean, they were defeated, but they still have, I mean, they still have support. I mean, Mike mm-hmm. Nichols still did get around, I think it was, it was over 20% support. So, I mean, you know, there's, I think that's, but I, I, there, there are, there are Mintonians who, who supported that kind of vision and who may feel, may feel left out. And I, but I think that's one of, from, from my, my read of things, that seems to be one of, I mean, Amarjeet, so he's, big strengths is his collaborative approach and his ability to bring people together. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see over the next, over the next um, four years, how, how he actually does that, because it's one thing to talk about it. I'm not, I'm not trying, I'm not, I'm not, not criticizing him, but it's one thing to talk about it during a mayoral, during an election campaign. And it's another thing to actually, actually implement it. And I, I mean, I think if, if, if there's anybody in Edmonton um, uh, and, uh, who could, who could do something like that? I think so. He's probably very well positioned to simply because I think that's, I get the impression that that's part of his character is he is, you know, mm-hmm. a genuinely uh, collaborative person who's, you know, in it, in it, and it sounds cliche, um, but he's in it for the right reasons. And I think that's, I think that's something that resonated with, with, with a lot of Edmontonians. The Dave Berta podcast is brought to you this week by the Edmonton Community Foundation. The foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund for yourself or with a group, and once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. There's also Vital Signs, which is an annual checkup conducted by Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with the Edmonton Social Planning Council to measure how the community is doing. This year's focus is on millennials. You can learn more about Edmonton Community Foundation and everything it does for our community at ecfoundation.org. This episode of the Dave Berta Podcast is also brought to you by Park Power, your friendly local utilities provider in Alberta, offering internet, electricity, and natural gas with low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. You know, in Alberta, you get to choose who to buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. Park Power has low overhead, which in turn allows them to offer low competitive rates. Reach out for a no-obligations comparison by emailing estimates at parkpower.ca. If you decide to switch, it is easy. It's really just a change to your billing, and you can feel good knowing you are helping to give back to our communities with your utilities bills. Learn more at parkpower.ca. One of the things that constantly comes up, and I mean, I don't mean to, I don't mean to downplay the. It's not. I say I don't say this to downplay the the results of the election, which are historic and, and meaningful and uh, and something that we should celebrate. But voter turnout is always an issue in municipal elections, and we saw around thirty seven. I think around thirty seven or thirty eight percent turnout in this election in Edmonton, which is high compared to some previous elections. But I kind of want to just get get your guys' thoughts on why turnout is, even though turnout was higher in this election and that's good and that's something we should celebrate but why 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 turnout is lower in Edmonton is it in terms of engaging Edmontonians in municipal politics because we see in Calgary that turnout tends to be higher in municipal election but what what do you think the issue is and and what do you think that campaigns or um or city councillors or the mayor um or different organizations could do to to encourage or, or tap into uh to you know the large number of Edmontonians who who aren't showing up to vote uh, maybe Raja, we could start with you if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, I think um, it is that engagement piece. It is, you know, talking to people, making sure they get out to vote. But we have been doing that for a while. And if we aren't seeing change, we need to rethink how we've been doing it. I 
personally want to see our voting process become more accessible. There are a lot of people who were waiting in lines. There was um, a lot of complaints that, you know, they couldn't make it out on election day or that advanced voting. It was silly that there was only one polling station in each ward. Um, and, you know, maybe now we need to toy around with the idea of voting online or electronically in some capacity or getting permanent residents, residents to be able to vote. Um, I know permanent residents who have lived in Edmonton for like nine years or longer and who want to vote, but don't have the ability to yet. Um, so it is great that we've seen a higher voter turnout now. Um, and I think it's the highest it's been in like a decade. But um, I think if we want to engage more people, we need to open it up a bit more too. Absolutely. And I think taking, I mean, online voting is one that we talk about a lot. And I mean, taking the, you know, looking at a little more innovative approaches to, to you know, where people are and, and how to get them out of the polls. Um, and I guess not, as you said, not just, it's not just on, you know, on election day or during the election, but it's, it's in terms of engaging people over the course of the term. So they feel, feel there is some value to, uh, to, to getting, uh, getting out and vote. Um, Harnoor, did you have any thoughts on this? I think Raja raised some really interesting points. I think in particular, we saw that the like advanced vote also had a, um, a really high turnout compared to years previous. And part of that probably is because people want to avoid the lines on election day. But I think also if you give people like those, now we see that if you give people those like 10, 11 days to vote in advance vote, that they want that and they will take up that opportunity to do so. Um, so I think keeping that perhaps for future elections would be would be beneficial. And I would say also making advance um, voting and voting in general on post-secondary campuses more accessible. I think that, the, you know, we had, there was such a short window, you could like really only vote for like, I think five hours it was on a random Tuesday at the university. And I didn't even do that. <laughs> I was like, I'll vote in advance votes, I'll do that. Um, and then I had to drive out to like the other corner of Papisteo to go do that. Um, so I think, I think in particular, also making more of an effort to engage young voters on campuses would be helpful. I, I think that on the kind of broader question of how do we engage more voters, my kind of, you know, the thing that comes to my mind um, is something that's like, something that's, my first urge is like to think about something um, that's like nonpartisan. It's not something that can't, uh, something kind of like Stacey Abrams, like the New Georgia Project, which engages voters in off election cycles. Um, mm -hmm. And it really like educates them on about, you know, voter registration, which is not really an issue that we face in in Edmonton elections here, mm -hmm. um, but something that just kind of tells them why it's important to vote and what they will get if they vote, right? So like, what's the benefit to them? Um, and I think something like that, which, you know, you know, a, a friend of ours, um, Raj, I'm sure you know her too, Haikas, and I think a friend of hers started the Yag Muslim vote, things like that. Just like why it's important to have your voice heard and what kind of impact you can have on the way that municipal politics are thought about or dealt with. I think something like that would be really, um, really impactful. And But you have to meet people where they're at, right? Mm -hmm. You have to like go door to door to people's houses, explain to them that they in fact can vote if they meet all the requirements. And here's how you do it. And here's who your counselor is. is. Here's who your mayor is. This is how you contact them yeah. and stuff like that. And we saw in the 
there was a journal article last week that talked about that report um, in which it showed that there was kind of like this like gap between people who were reporting traffic incidents versus like where the city was actually fixing them. And, and then people were just like, oh, that's actually an issue of like people just don't know they can contact us. And it's like, well, how do we fix that? Right. <laughs> so I think something like that, that's really grassroots, community based, meets people in their faith communities and their cultural communities and their community organizations. I think that is like really what's at the core of increasing turnout. Um, I do think it's a little bit of a uh, fantasy project, but I think that would be really, really cool, um, cool to see happen. I, I don't. I don't think there's anything fantasy about that. I think, that's, <laughs> I think that sounds like that sounds like a great idea. That sounds like a great idea. And I mean, you know, stuff like that takes a lot of work, and it you know yeah. it takes takes a lot of effort and and resources to put in. But it sounds like a I mean, an extremely, extremely worthwhile effort. I mean, I'm always, I always find it interesting how it's, um, uh, and I mean, you, you guys as, as being involved in, in municipal politics, you know, we'll probably, probably, probably have heard this before, but it's, uh, you know, municipal politics is the, is the level of government that impacts us the most directly on the, on mm-hmm. like a day-to-day basis, like literally in terms of the sidewalks and the buses we'd, we'd ride and the LRT and the, and the roads we drive on and the bike lanes and, and everything. Um, and yet it's the one that, that kind of, I, I've always, and I, I pay attention to politics pretty closely, but I've always felt, felt it's, it's so close yet. It's so distant in a, in a certain mm. way. And I mean, you don't, you know, you, you may, maybe you don't get the kind of the same kind of drama and media attention that you get with provincial and federal politics, but, um, but it would really be great to, I mean, it, it's really, it'd be really great if people paid, were, were able to, or felt they were, were able to engage more. And and maybe you know maybe the the example that you talked about uh, Harnoor about the reporting the the you know the the did you say traffic was it traffic incidents or or road infrastructure um, uh, you know maybe, maybe that's the case in terms of the city just needs to be a little more responsive in a way that's that you know recognizes what you know what citizens want and what you know what they can demonstrate they're providing value to mm-hmm. for. I think people need to feel that they have a stake, right? That they have a stake in these politics. And I do think that the like the election results from this cycle showed that when people feel that they have a stake, they will come out to vote and like they will come out to make mm-hmm. their voice heard. And what Abrams and Obama did in the States, and I think why it was so historic for many reasons, but it was because they changed who turned out to vote, right? They did the work on the ground to change the landscape of voter turnout. And I think that is something that, you know, I was really inspired by, you know, on Amarjeet's campaign. I think something that I like really wanted to try to do. Um, but I think it's actually something that's bigger than one campaign. And I think that's what I learned is that it has to be a community-based um, kind of initiative that starts from the ground up. And that's that also doesn't only exist in election cycles for like six months, right? Mm-hmm. Even with, um, with engaging municipally when it comes to um, being able to speak at a public hearing, there used to be such barriers to that. It was during a specific time and then during a work day. So then you'd see only specific people turning out. Mm-hmm. You'd see retirees who had mm-hmm. all the time on their hands to come to a public hearing and voice their opinions when that's not the full spectrum of who lives in the community mm-hmm. and who would be speaking to what's happening. So even when you look at how our processes are right now, um, we have to get rid of a few layers that I think are becoming barriers to people getting engaged. Um, and we, we see that when you don't start early, when you don't get involved, you know, when you're 
younger, um, you tend just not to be involved as you age in the community. And um, I think like Hornur said before, it's, we have to really speak to young people about this and, and also just to other communities. I, I would be really interested to see if they, there was any sort of data on who typically votes Mm-hmm. In terms of you know what what communities they come from, what part of the city they're in, like mm-hmm. socioeconomic, like heritage background, absolutely. And if anybody is listening right now has has that kind of data, <laughs> please share it because we you know we we'd we'd all be interested in uh, in in looking at that because it seemed like, um, uh, I mean, looking at the at least the mayoral results, I mean, Amarjeet Sohi won across the board everywhere, um, almost everywhere in the city. And, uh, and it'd be interesting to see who exactly was turning out and who exactly was voting. I think you're, I think you're right. Um, one, one of the, uh, one of the, the, uh, the comments my wife and I used to make, I know I, I, I used to be a young person involved in politics. Um, and I'm not, not so much a young person involved in politics now, but what, one of the comments that, uh, that my wife and I used to make when we were in our twenties and involved in municipal election campaigns, uh, is that, you know, we were always wondering where the, uh, you know, and we involved we involved in groups like um, I think like City Camp and all these kind of groups that were trying to encourage more more engagement and more involvement in in municipal politics and and city building. And and one of the comments we used to make was, you know, where are all the uh, you know we're in our twenties, where are all these where are all the thirty and forty year olds? They're you know they they seem to just disappear and, and not get engaged. And now that we're in our in our in our thirties. Um, it's, uh, you know, we, we have kids, we have a house, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, a little less, little less engaged in, in, in a lot of the stuff because we have other commitments. It's just kind of funny that we, uh, uh, you know, made those comments at the time. And now we, now we're kind of living it and kind of, kind of understand that, understand that a bit more. But, um, I mean, I guess my, 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 my question is if, you know, you know, you're two young people involved in, you know, heavily, very heavily involved in, in, in the city and, in, in, in politics in this city and in building it, making it in a better place. Um, you know, what would be your message to, to younger people who might be more cynical about, uh, uh, about be getting involved in municipal politics. And I realized I, I asked this question and I, I always hated this question when, when I was, uh, when I was younger and, and people would ask it, but I, I mean, I think it is, you know, I think it's interesting. I'm just interested to hear what, you know, what's your pitch in terms of to your, you know, to your, your peers who might not be as interested in, in municipal politics. Maybe, maybe Raja, we could start with you. Yeah, sure. Um, even just being around political spaces, I understand where the cynicism can come from and how you feel like nothing I do will matter or make a difference. But we saw with races like in E.P. Kokni Pizzi, where a margin of 33 votes decides who represents your community for the next four years that everything counts and at a municipal level even the big issues like racism diversity housing and homelessness climate change it is big issues it's big things to think about but it all manifests locally so it impacts you in your everyday and daily life and i think you know it it's hard to, to start at first and, and think about, well, how do I get started? Where do I even start? And I think the election was a good place for people, um, for 
people to to kind of ask themselves, oh, where's my new ward? Who is my current counselor? What are the candidates? Um, so it's kind of like a stepping stone that way. And I, I, I like to say, like, if there's something you don't agree with in your community, make it known. Um, because if if people aren't hearing your voice and they they think everything is okay, then you are completely fine. <laughs> um, so I I want people to know, especially young people, that this city is for them. This city is always going to be there for them, and um, we all have a say in how it gets built. That's great, um, Har Harnoor. What would your um, what what would your pitch be to your to your your uh, your peers to get involved in municipal politics, or, or at least why it, why it's important? I am glad that you recognize uh, how much I hate this question, Dave. <laughs> 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 I'm glad that you said that right off the bat. Um, I feel so awkward answering it, but I would say this. I would say that I think I think two things. I think one is that you also don't necessarily have to get involved in politics through electoral politics, like activism is politics and community building um, in community organizations. And I'm, you know, I don't know if this is what you were referring to Dave, but I'm thinking of Civic Camp, an organization that Chris Turner and then she started in Calgary like a long time ago, like that mm -hmm. is getting involved in politics and making your community a better place. So I'd say that it like, it, it varies and it, it can look like whatever you want it to look like. And I would say find what you're interested in. Like if you're not interested in zoning, then like you don't have to sit through zoning bylaw meetings, you know, find the thing that you're interested in and, and go get involved in it and learn more about it and make a difference in it and talk to other people, whether it's counselors or just your friends who like, you know, let them know kind of what you're interested in, what you're doing about it. Um, and I also think that like organizations like community leagues, um, or, you know, like spaces um, that, that do community work are really important um, to build up one's community too. I think of what, for example, um, you know, Avnish and, and some other folks have done at the Ritchie Community League, like really revitalized it. Um, you know, they, they're just so active in the community in terms of like doing everything and anything that they can kind of think of. And I think that is a really good example of community building and, and kind of they now, you know, essentially also advocate to city council for the things that they care about and work with city authority in that region to kind of um, make the change that they want to see happen. So I think things like that are also really cool and kind of actually like at the heart of municipal politics more so than, you know, council meetings and, and things like that, albeit those are also very important. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, 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 absolutely. And uh, yeah, you don't have to sit through uh, through bylaw hearings or, or council hearings to... Uh... You know that that's one part of one one way to make a difference, but it's not necessarily the uh, the thing that you have to do in order to in order to in order to make difference or be involved and 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 participate. I think that's a that's a really good point, especially get involved at 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 the the neighborhood level in terms of community mm -hmm. leagues or community associations. Um, uh, I know in in terms of uh, in in my in my neighborhood, one of my, one of my 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 perennial big issues um, is a is a very local issue, and I like to joke with candidates who who knock at my door, and I had. This this year, I had uh, two mayoral candidates and and I think three or four city council candidates knock on my door and and I, I like to joke with them that I'm a, I'm a one issue voter um, that the East Glen pool and keeping mm. the East Glen pool open is my is my is my number one number one issue and and uh, and I was pleased to see that uh, 
that all the candidates who knocked had, uh, you know, had good, good, good thing, good things to say. That's all your influence, Dave. That's all your, you're an influencer. Some might, some might say that. (laughs) Some might say. No, (laughs) some might, some might say, no, there are, there are, there are people in this neighborhood who work work a lot harder and put a lot more effort into, into East. I just talk about East Glenpool a lot, but they, uh, you know, there's a, there's a a good, uh, a good group who put, uh, who put a ton, a ton of effort into, into keeping the, uh, keeping, keeping the facility open. But no, I think that's, I think those are, uh, that, that's that's a uh, those are great uh, great points and great pitches. Um, as a final question before we wrap up, um, I just want to put it to you too. What the election's over? Um, we're you know we're looking over the next the next four years at this city council. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's that's you know that's unknown. You know, the, with the with the provincial government, with the federal government, with the the fallout from COVID, with the economy. There's you know there's there's a lot facing this new council, but I mean, if there's one thing that you would like to see this new council tackle, um, and, 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 you know, maybe it's, you, this is part of your hopes for Edmonton for our future, but what, what would that thing be over the next four years? Um, Harnur, maybe we can start with you. Ooh, um, one thing, I think if there's one thing, I think it'd be the opioid crisis. I think it would be, um, addressing the crisis and, and the consequences that come along and the very like sad consequences that come along with it, the, like the immense loss of life that comes along with it with compassion. And I think being bold on the need to decriminalize um, drugs and safe supply, I think that I would like to see this council take action on that because the, the stakes are like human lives, like it's our neighbors. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's people that we, that we might know. Um, so I think that is something that I, that I want to see this council do. And I just want to see this council be bold, like not, and I, I know that's easy to say when you're a young person and you're like, oh my God, like you're like this like rebel activist, but um, I want to see this council be bold. Like it's the, the, the stakes that, at the crises that we face, whether it's the climate crisis or the opioid crisis or COVID, like it's people's lives at this point, right? So yeah, that's what I want to see. Raja? I was going to say, just like a light, easy, breezy question, Dave. Uh, totally <laughs> not heavy. <laughs> but I... Well, and, 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 and answer it how you will. <laughs> um, yeah, and I... I absolutely agree with Harnoor. I think we need counsel to not be afraid of mm-hmm. making some people mad. Mm-hmm. Whether that comes to housing and homelessness, whether that's the zoning bylaw renewal, whether that's active transportation, the LRT, everything, mm-hmm. whatever we do, we're going to make people mad. Right now is the time to think about the future of Edmonton and how we want it to look and build because too many times in our past have we seen Edmonton try and move forward on a project and have it completely stalled or stopped or paused to the point where it's been detrimental and stunted our growth as a city. Um, And then so I'm really hopeful that we're going to see a more compassionate counsel a more compassionate mm-hmm. approach and empathetic counsel as well when it comes to dealing with those tough issues um, and a really bold counsel that's not afraid to you know put Edmonton and what we need as a city first because um, you know I, 
city politics isn't glamorous in any way. Um, it's very much the weeds. It's very much everyday stuff. Um, but it also has the chance, it has the opportunity to really change the direction of people's lives. Absolutely. Be bold, be compassionate, be empathetic. I think those are three, uh, three, uh, uh, really important, really important things that, uh, that the city council should, uh, could, can think about and, and, and might be able to use to, or should use to, uh, to guide their decisions over the, over the next four years. I, I don't know if I could have put, could have put it any better than, uh, than, than, uh, than what you, you two both, uh, both shared in terms of your, your, your hopes and visions for this city. I feel better, uh, knowing, I feel, I feel good about Edmonton, knowing that there are, you know, there are strong engaged people like you involved, both of you involved in, in municipal politics and help guide, help, uh, help guiding where this, uh, helping guide where this, where this city is going and the direction we're going in the future. Thank you very much, Harnur Kochar and, and Raja Magay for joining us on the podcast today. This was really excellent. I really appreciate you guys joining us and, and sharing your thoughts and experiences and, 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 uh, and hopes for the future of Edmonton. Um, thank you so much to everyone who listened and subscribed to the Dave Berta podcast this week. And a, a big thanks to our producer, Adam Rosenhardt, for always making this podcast sound so great. We really could not do it, do it with Adam. It would just be me sitting in front of a computer with a, with a mic. He's the one, he's the magician who makes this thing work. Uh, the Dave Berta podcast is a proud member of the Alberta podcast network, locally grown community supported. Send us your feedback on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram or on a, we even have a Facebook page uh, or you can send us an old fashioned email at podcast at daveberta.ca. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, happy Halloween to those who, uh, who participate and partake. Um, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Thank you. Thank you.